Hello and welcome back to Musical Roots. This episode we've got something a little bit different for you because Helen and I have both been incredibly busy travelling, working, performing, writing, all sorts of different things. Um, So we've had a bit of a break from recording podcast episodes over the last month or so. So today we're going to just have a little bit of a catch up, tell you what we've been up to. um, And I'm going to start off first by congratulating Helen because she has just finished her degree at the Royal College of Music. Um, Helen, would you like to tell everyone a little bit more about what you've been doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you very much. Um, Yeah, so for the past two years as well as being like just a full-time freelancer um I've been doing a part-time MSc in performance science um so lots of people then say well what is performance science never heard of that before well it's actually quite simple it's what it says in the tin it's the science of performance so I've been looking at things like performance psychology performance education arts and health and well-being research methods um yeah and I've just basically finished my dissertation which has been about a whole year's worth of work so that was a really big day um yeah yeah and now I'm that free. must have been you must have felt a lot of relief when you handed that in did you well, feel any other emotions I did I was kind of sad I was and everyone was kind of like oh you're really stressed having to write I mean in the end I, I, I wrote over 30,000 words I think it was um including my ethics and stuff which is a different story um <laughs> but actually um actually I was I was a bit sad yeah what exactly was your dissertation about? What was the what was the abstract? Give us a give us a brief summary. So my title was um, "Identity, Relationships, and Mental Wellbeing of Adolescents in a Specialised Music School in the UK." There's never been any research about these things in adolescent musicians, um, which always baffles me. Um, so yeah, I kind of discovered that in my degree. Um, yeah, one paper is not going to change the world, but um, I hope it starts a, curve, a kind of talking point, really. Yeah, yeah, it opens the conversation, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And how did you how did you find going into some of the specialist music schools and like, working with all the adolescents? How was that yeah. experience? Really lovely. I mean, I only went into one, um, more for practicality reasons than anything. Um, but actually, one of my further recommendations, if any researchers out there, um, is to go into, I think, all schools, I think, was basically one of my conclusions, because it's, it's very difficult to summarise from one institution. But it was so fun. Like, they're so lovely. Um, the school were amazing. The staff were amazing. Um, they really cared about their students and they wanted they wanted to make them happier and healthier um, and the students were just a joy um, yeah it was just a really really nice experience both when I did the quantitative collections so that's like surveys um, and also doing like the interviews with the kids as well um, yeah it was just great they're such wonderful humans um, which makes me want to do it more <laughs> yeah well did were there any challenges what was the most difficult moment in the whole process of collecting and reporting um, data parental consent was one of my the basically my biggest thing that kind of came up as a barrier um I, I don't know the reason really why the parents and guardians didn't want their student involved in it or if it was just an email I mean we, so we sent out three times on this online thing but yeah lots of parents and guardians just 
didn't really get involved. Um, so it meant that I literally wasn't allowed to talk or do anything with those students. And um, so that was a really big challenge. And I think also one of the other challenges, not only challenges, I think it's really fascinating. I think it's just going back to that research thing, it gives a different angle, is adolescents are obviously developing. They're still children. Um, so it means that quite a lot of the time what they perceive is not necessarily the case. Um, and, you know, yeah. and especially with things with identity, where like adolescence is all about finding your identity and exploring. And um, that's why I, I looked at all ages, because that just changes so much. As, you, know, I'm, you know, even people forget that adolescence goes up to the age of 25. Um, yeah, that's so, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, Gosh, so Helen, that. we're fully developed now. We're fully developed adults, yeah. We're not allowed to change our identities at all anymore. Um, yeah, no, it's fascinating. It is so true, actually, though, because I definitely... I mean, you think that when you kind of go off to university, that's where you find yourself and, you know, you're away from home for the first time, maybe, and you kind of, you know, find yourself during those few years. But actually, I would say that my identity's changed a huge amount from what's from the moment that I left higher education as it were to now yeah so I've, I always find it's really fascinating mainly because I don't know how to answer it myself um but how would you describe your identity then oh well I th- it's changing all the time I mean I definitely I mean I've always identified as being a trumpet player and a classical musician but I think my my role my sort of idea of that is I now identify as a podcaster um an educator possibly uh, no definitely you know I like doing outreach and masterclasses and engaging with young people so yeah educating and using social media as well to do that um I'm now also trying to think of myself more as a sort of um as an entrepreneur in a way and my business is me so in terms of marketing and branding and publicity and presenting myself to the world um I also think of myself as a curator of Mm. concert programs and when I'm, you know, making new programs that maybe have a theme or um, I'm a collaborator, collaborating with other musicians to make new chamber music um, sort of combinations and programs and curating CD projects as well to make it interesting for people to listen to. So um, and then completely aside from music, I identify as a sister a daughter a girlfriend a friend you know I think it's important as musicians that we try to have uh, to at least try to separate our identity from our music because I know that that's something that we all I mean before COVID I think I did a lot of this unpacking during COVID um, but definitely pre-COVID if I was having a bad day on the trumpet I was having a bad day in life, you know, and I think mm-hmm. I have a bit more of that separation now that it's like, even if, even if my lips don't feel good today and it's not going the way I want it to, that's no longer going to mean that I'm unhappy and I'm having a bad day. I can still have a good day, which I think is mm-hmm. important. It is important. I mean, I've been, yeah, I think we've all can understand that. And I think so much of it just comes from the fact that we care about what we do. Um, and I mean, yeah. not to say that other careers, you don't care about what you do, but I think it's such a deeply personal and emotional thing playing music that it is. just makes it difficult, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, how have you been finding, like, well, what have you been up to in terms of 
trumpet playing um how's that been going what are your like big kind of wins in that world then at the minute since we last kind of did an episode like this <laughs> yeah so I mean I've been traveling around quite a lot um I was just recently most recently I was in America at the International Trumpet Guild Conference which is as nerdy as it sounds but Love it's it. absolutely brilliant they are so enthusiastic and so passionate and they they genuinely want to know what mouthpiece I play on and you know they're so (laughs) keen and but it just comes from such a place of love for music love for the instrument it was a credibly supportive environment it was great to connect with loads of other female trumpet players out there as well Um, and we just had a really great time so that was lovely I gave a talk I did my first ever kind of proper talk I mean I've done sort of um Q and A's and you know sort of schools workshops and things like that, but I gave a sort of proper proper talk. Um, yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed the experience. I was surprised. It was quite funny because I was talking about performance anxiety in the talk, and I was talking about like my techniques, and I realised that I was actually experiencing some of those during the talk, and how I hadn't done, I hadn't prepared for the talk in the same way that I would prepare for a concert and Mm -hmm. that if I had it would have helped (laughs) yeah and so I was kind of experiencing my some of my performance anxiety symptoms I like to call them during this talks and thinking to myself wow I really should have listened to my own advice and I didn't realize that that also applies to this type of performance which I thought was interesting It is interesting. Do you know, I find that um, actually going back to my MSC, we had to do a group presentation um, and it made me realise how, with the talking and things like that, how differently everyone kind of thinks about them. So for me, like they, they really wanted a kind of script and kind of write it all out and decide exactly what order everything was going to go on, what sentence is going to come after what. Whereas for me, I much prefer like this really, really understanding what you know what I'm going to say and why I'm talking about it what my aim is um and then the presentation kind of guiding me in terms of the actual slide um so I think yeah I actually get way more nervous being overly prepared with something like a script than I do just winging it so I literally I was I did a, I did a speech at Cadogan Hall last week um zero zero nerves <laughs> didn't great. prepare it didn't yeah. know, I had a vague idea what I was going to say um but I think I think it's that thing of authenticity with yourself and being confident in being like actually you know what I can just talk to anyone I always think you know it's so nice I've got to know like right now having just a chat um is that not enough I don't know well I I mean I think that's almost what we're trying to do with our podcast isn't it it's kind of like break down that that barrier get to the real person and just have an a chat yeah and I think chats are great I learned so much from chats. I think most of my knowledge comes from chats. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of chatting, how has it been going working with your new agency that you could tell us about? Oh, that's very, very good question. No, it's going really well, thank you. So um, for those listening, I recently, at the beginning of this year, I signed with Harrison Parrott, which is one of the larger um, classical music agencies internationally um most I think they're mainly based in London but they have offices in quite a few other countries as well um so it's been my first time really working with such a big team um which has been really exciting um and I've got fantastic a fantastic team and it's really nice because I feel like 
I mean, we're in contact most days um, and it's great because we can really bounce, I can really bounce ideas off them, which I re- I'm really enjoying. Mm. Um, and also my diary is filling up for next year. So I think, Perfect. you know, it we seems to be working well so far. Um, so that's, that's really exciting and getting some, getting some more CD projects off the ground. And I think that's a, another really important part of the, of the process for me is having the, the relationship with the agents, the relationship with the label, and then kind of the concerts and the CDs sort of feed each other. Um, and, we grow hopefully yeah so, we love we plan. love a bit of growth so when you yeah. said um when you said about like you know I like bouncing ideas um off the team and you know having that kind of discussion can you give us an, can you give us an example of that yeah so for example so I'm thinking quite a lot about composers and commissioning and expanding the trumpet repertoire and also just presenting something a little bit new and unique I don't want to just be playing all of the same repertoire that everyone else has also played. Um, so that's one of the things that we're really discussing a lot at the moment is um, different composers and what types of pieces we'd like them to play, You know, whether it would be a concerto or a sonata or a piece for trumpet and organ or something a little bit more specialised. I'm looking at some collaborations at the moment with trumpet and guitar or perhaps trumpet and accordion so you know quite a lot of different things bouncing around in there so yeah we have a really open conversation about that and um we are all sort of listening to different things and suggesting different things and putting putting us in contact with the right people and opening these conversations so I think that's really exciting that is really exciting. I think more I've been thinking about it, like I'm, I have um, a recital coming up um, next year and I've been thinking, like I don't really do it as much. Um, it's something I get really nervous about and things like this. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I don't just want to do the classics. Like I do want to really like look at new repertoire. And honestly, it's so hard to find like these new, like kind of different repertoires. I mean, looking everywhere and I just really, I'm yeah, takes- struggling it. It honestly takes hours and hours and hours. And also something that I found is it takes time. So it, it, as well as taking, you know, I can spend a few hours in a day doing that, but also it takes time to talk to other people, to hear their recommendations, to think, oh, that she's a, or she or he is a really interesting composer. I wonder if they've done written anything for horn or for other instruments that could work for the horn. So I would mm-hmm. encourage you to look at, I don't know, maybe bassoon repertoire or yeah. a cello repertoire or yeah. vocal uh- vocal repertoire, baritones, whatever, that kind of music. For example, I've just discovered yesterday, Ooh. I just discovered um, some songs by Amy Beach and they are gorgeous and I'd never really heard her music before I'd heard of her Um, and I absolutely love these songs so they're going straight into a new recital program um, for the next couple of seasons Um, amazing but you know it takes time to come across these people yeah and I think it's that thing as well I think because I there is quite a few things by like Clara Schumann on the cello that I know the horn play quite a lot yeah um, which I think is great um I think it's that thing. I do not. I have such a lack of ability, uh, lack of confidence in my ability of using like Sibelius to then like 
put the horn in the right key or at least change the piano key or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just one of the things that there's, it just made me think there's about. There's people having... that can do that for you, Helen. Yes, I know, but that also <laughs> requires money. That's true, that's true. <laughs> um, and that's how I was thinking how amazing arrangers are and I'm like, oh my God, arrangers. Yes. Please write Martha Horn if you're listening. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very lucky because I've got a couple of very good friends who are both very excellent arrangers. So yeah. I get them to do lots of things for me. <laughs> it is good that is good um amazing so what that's kind of what you've been up to what have you got coming up that you're excited about so coming up immediately I've got a concert on Friday which mm-hmm. is really lovely it's with a small chamber ensemble so it's with string quintet and harp and we're playing small chamber arrangements of quite a lot of my Trump of my new CD, the Castadiva Italian Opera Arias CD, um, and some other pieces in there as well, like the Neruda Trumpet Concerto. Um, so that's really lovely. I don't get to play in chamber music of that, that type, usually. So it's an ensemble that I've sort of put together. Um, and it's a lot of my old friends from NYO, Cambridge Academy. So it's really nice. Everyone sort of knows each other. And uh, we had our rehearsal yesterday and it was really, really good fun. Oh, lovely. Really looking forward to that concert. Yeah, it's going to be great. Do you ever like kind of miss, I suppose because your your career is so solo based, do you ever kind of miss being with like in an orchestra and all those kinds of things, especially from a social perspective? Yeah, it's interesting. I was, we were talking about this yesterday. um, And I know that, I, th- I mean, as a trumpeter, I think I'm lucky because although I travel quite a lot on my own, I tend to always be with someone a lot of the time. Like if I'm going to play a concerto with an orchestra, I might be on my own when I'm getting there and in my hotel room, maybe, okay, you know, having hotel breakfast or something on my own. But I, I'm quite used to that now, so I don't mind. But I'll still be then surrounded by the orchestra. I'll have the conductor and we often go for dinner or for drinks or whatever. And the mm-hmm. orchestra management as well to kind of look after you. And so you've got lots of people there. And then if I'm traveling to do recitals, I'll always have my recital partner. So a pianist, an organist, whatever. Yeah, that whoever is it might be. Yeah. So actually, I would say I'm more lonely when I'm just at home and it's just me in my house all day practicing. (laughs) But then, you know, I have my friends, I've just moved to Berlin. That's actually something major that's happened since we last recorded. Yeah, exactly. So I've moved to Berlin um, and I know loads of people there and I've met lots of new people there since I moved. So I've got loads of friends now. We go to concerts together and we meet up for lunches and dinners. And it's, so that's really, really nice. So I'm actually, I would say, um, a lot less lonely there than I was in Munich because I didn't really know wow. anyone in Munich. So that was oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah, a really nice move. I love Berlin. I've been like four times just and I just go to the same places. That sounds really boring, doesn't it? But I just love <laughs> it. I love like just this. I know it sounds really cliche, doesn't it? So like when people say, "Oh, I love London. I love going to Big Ben," but that's what I feel like in the Berlin version. <laughs> yeah, and the, obviously the music scene in Berlin is just incredible as well. They have so many orchestras and operas and ballet and you know the the culture there is so fantastic so it's been really fun to actually go to more concerts when I'm at home in Berlin as well um it it's a real treat to just sit in the audience and soak up the music and not relax stage for once yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny. I always find that as a musician, I'm really bad. I like I love music and I love going to concerts and obviously I'm surrounded by it all the time. But um, I'm trying to like, I keep every year, I'm like, my New Year's resolution is to go to more concerts because whenever you go, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> so what's coming up now, now that you've finished your MSc? What's life going to look like post? Yeah. obviously incredibly busy because you're always incredibly busy (laughs) yeah busy busy but fun busy um expanding healthy young musician yes I will be expanding healthy young musician which is very exciting but again not really sure what that looks like quite yet um but it is going to be going so just for those who might not know what healthy young musician is so going back to what I was talking about earlier with my MSc um the reason I kind of was really interested in that is because I run a program um basically for young musicians to learn how to um basically be a healthy young musician I mean it's kind of on the tin um but at also the junior of, at the junior academy junior Royal yeah, academy. yeah yeah absolutely um and it's about like includes performance psychology it includes physios it includes Alex tech it includes just general research and making it fun and creative essentially um but yeah basically I'm very very lucky um in that it's now going to be going into every conservatoire in the country um or every junior conservatoire I should say um so yeah I'm basically in the middle of applying for some funding um to set up a kind of central hub because I I, I'm these people like health and education should not be things we have to pay for it should not be a thing that is for the privileged it's not you know what I mean so um I don't I don't want conservatoires to have to buy into something like it should be like musicianship or oral or anything. It needs to be one of those things. Yeah, um, a core, so was, a core yeah. part of the curriculum. Yeah, so I'm not taking a kind of business approach with it. It's just more of a kind of what I want to do is create like a central hub um, for things like training and resources, resources yeah. and kind of like bringing a network together of practitioners who are interested in this work wanting to get involved um because obviously there's a lot of hiring I have to do but also like consultancy so I'm consulting with one junior conservatory at the minute um working with the their structures trying to help them think about where it could lay in their program um but yeah so it's super exciting um no idea what it's going to look like yet really <laughs> and I think everyone every single uh, junior conservatory will be different with that and I think that's the beauty of it really that's the beauty so exciting and you know best of luck with all of that yes and you it sounds extremely exciting everything you've got coming up yeah no uh, I'd say both of us lead fairly non not boring lives <laughs> not boring it's definitely not boring I'd love a little slob on the sofa more often but there we I go <laughs> all right Helen so let's finish off our podcast episode in the in the manner that we usually do with our quick fire questions so my quick fire question to you is what's your favorite cup of tea how do you take your tea yorkshire gold with oat milk um kind of like a brownie color i don't like it too light that's just weird i'd prefer it black to white um so kind of that kind of medium kind of color um maybe more all the important info yeah Yeah. if we ever get a podcast assistant (laughs) yeah that's how helen likes her team just oh my god can you imagine i don't need assistant for my life okay and my um question is tell me the most random fact about yourself probably the most random fact about myself is that i whistle 
through my teeth. And because I can do that, I can whistle with my mouth closed so that it looks like I'm whistling through my nose. I'm trying to like picture that. But that is a fun random fact. Thank you very much. I'm going to try and yeah. go away and do that I used now. to do it. <laughs> I used to do it in school and I would whistle things like the Harry Potter theme tune and we would pretend it was the builders outside and, you know, rile up all our teachers and it was very funny. <laughs> Love it. You should just do that now. Never mind teachers. Just like walk around the streets doing it. That's my no, bad. I don't, I don't do it so much anymore. Just as it's you my should. party trick. It's my party trick. Love it's a party a trick. Secret party trick. It's not that secret anymore. Amazing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you so much for listening to this slightly unconventional episode of Musical Roots. And we will be back in two weeks' time with our normal podcast format um, with a new guest for you. So we look forward to seeing you there.